Welcome to Splack Book, the RPG Topics podcast. If this is your first episode, we talk about genre in tabletop RPG design. This show is brought to you by the generous contributions of the lovely backers of the MapGrow Patreon. If you would like to show your support for the show and receive monthly asset packs of digital terrain and minis for your virtual tabletop gaming, head on over to patreon.com slash and pledge today. Toot toot! My name is Kyle, and with me today is my favorite best friend in the whole wide world, Chris <laughs> Salzman. Yay! And, of course, my favorite Game Master, John. Of course, yes, thank you. Uh, Chris is also my favorite best friend, so... Yeah. I don't know what so, you're yeah, this, oh, Well, I mean, I think, I think I've known him longer, so it's, it's kind of more yeah, meaningful coming from me. Because <laughs> <laughs> we went to college oh, together or something. Yeah. yeah, so Chris Salzman is on loan to us from our uh, sister show on the uh, Roll For It Media Network. And uh, his uh, lovely show, uh, Roll for Topic, uh, was, is, of course, we've, we talked about it on the show before. We won't stop talking about it until you go listen to it. So <laughs> by all means, if you want to hear like cogent points instead of just like endless philosophical digressions, uh, go on over to uh, gmdiscussions.com or just search for Roll for Topic on your podcatcher of choice. Yes, when you're tired of just two guys with an internet connection name-checking a bunch of media <laughs> and want to see people actually having a conversation with some breadth and depth, I recommend their podcast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. That's uh, the nicest thing anyone's ever said about we're mostly talking about Andy. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. <fine>. Sorry, dude. <laughs> what are we doing tonight? We are talking about trains. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Well, so I heard that if we invited Chris on, we were going to talk about Elvish rings, right? Like that he would talk about nothing but Elvish rings. He's it's like obsession. John is John is mistaken. It is called Elden Ring. It's the greatest video game of our generation. Is it like for the Intellivision? What is that? I don't know what that is. That made me really angry when I figured out what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> we are talking about uh, trains in pulp adventure games. Uh, I put this on the the big list of ideas. I just uh, really wanted to talk about trains, and I just don't. I don't feel like people talk about trains enough. Like the, like it's such an amazing set piece uh, and it has made for like some of like the most memorable like uh, mystery and adventure set pieces in, in literary and in, in filmic history. Uh, so it ought to be easy pickings. But, you know, oftentimes uh, it does. It doesn't really it doesn't really come up because everybody's, you know, unless you're playing Eberron. Uh, your Dungeons and Dragons game isn't going to include trains, so we we they get the the short sheet. I feel like I feel like we don't need to define uh, trains. If we do, then our audience is even <laughs> oh, younger than we thought. Oh. And who uh, they but, are Americans, probably. But, so. but I think pulp, pulp pulp adventure could stand with a few parameters, if not a definition. I mean, well, well I just I just want to say that I'm I'm a guest on this show. I'm happy to do all the work, but if you. <laughs> I think it feels that like that's great. Like sort of teeing up Kyle for that one. Pulp, pulp Adventure is uh, the name Pulp 
uh, actually comes from uh, uh, the style of paper that these uh, old serial magazines or paperback books were printed on. It was uh, it was it was a very like toothy, rough, pulpy paper uh, because they want it to be as cheap as possible. Uh, because uh, j just like comic books, uh, most pulp magazines were printed by gangsters and pornographers, so they were cutting costs wherever they could. But yes, yeah, so that's this is where we get the term pulp from, and now it kind of means anything that kind of indexes uh, those kinds of old stories. So probably most famously would be Indiana Jones, uh, right. which was explicitly designed to, to evoke these old, uh, adventure magazines like Argosy and the, the all story and, and stuff like that. But it, it crops up in the Rocketeer is another great example. The Rocketeer is a wonderful example. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the important thing I'll just say about it is that, is that it isn't actually a genre as much as it is a style of storytelling, right? It's like two-fisted, all about the action. The only way we we show, we resolve anything is through conflict, right? This is why it fits so well with RPGs. And it could be a, a, a Western, but it could be also like an Indiana Jones-style story or The Rocketeer. It could be a space is, story as well. It could be a space story as well. But it certainly what it isn't is subtle, usually. Right. So I think that's <laughs> yes. the, the key thing here. We, yeah. we, are, we are writing for cliffhangers inside of six pages of a magazine. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of the writers that are mentioned in, say, Appendix N got their start as pulp writers. So, you know, um, uh, Robert E. Howard, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, um, and, you know, to some extent, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle uh, was was kind of a pulp writer. So, yeah, a lot of Leigh Brackett, uh, who would who who wrote all these wonderful um, Martian uh, mercenary stories, who would go on to pen the first draft of Empire Strikes Back. So like you know, H.P. Lovecraft, all of these writers have their hooks in gaming. Uh, in a major way. So, but, but Chris, I, I'm more interested in, because you chose uh, uh, Pulp Adventure. So what was, what was the kind of like crystalline image that was in your mind when you, when you typed those words into the Discord? Yeah. The, uh, the great train robbery is what came to mind like almost immediately. Right. Cause like, so, you know, trains obviously jumped out to me on your list. Cause it's like, why would you put trains on there? Oh, because trains rule. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pulp Adventure, because like to me, like that is the distillation of like what's exciting about a story, right? Like when you're when you're telling a story, it's like all that action and all that stuff, which you know, I love all the other junk too, but like, you know, like focus on that sometimes is really nice. Um, but yeah, like just the the idea of of like a train as this like rocketing object going forward, it's a it's a it's a mechanism for excitement an opportunity for excitement it both is an enclosed space in which your adventure and story can take place and yet changes scenery uh constantly right mm -hmm. so it, it sort of is the best of both worlds a an airplane's no fun because you kind of can't leave the airplane right like yeah in many store pulp stories involving a train you get on the train you fall off the train you try to catch up with the train at the next stop you get back on the train um people get thrown off the train but you know mm -hmm. somebody gets thrown off an airplane and they're like well that's that's yeah. that i guess you know it's just not as <laughs> well, we never seen him again <laughs> yeah, exactly so like, i even, think even going back to indiana jones like i mean think about all the different like the the travel montage stuff that they do where they have the map overlay and they show like where he's going i think like when he's on planes it's never interesting like they have to put him on a zeppelin for it to be right. interesting right, right, right. Air travel. 
Yeah, and the one time he 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 doesn't really have a, a big adventure on a train, though I would argue that like the truck chase where he's riding the horse is well, essentially now, a train. Hold on. Oh, Somebody's oh, forgetting oh. the opening of Last Crusade. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Young That's Indiana a circus Jones. train. That is yeah. like train on hard mode. There's yes. a train with the poisonous snakes on it, like it's, and lions yeah. and elephant and uh, rhino and yeah. You're right. I've forgotten about that. But but in Raiders, the first one, I would argue that. That the truck chase is actually a train chase, yeah, with a truck. Yeah, there's just no train tracks in that part of the world at that time. So. I do like how we're not disagreeing with you whatsoever. Like, of course, the truck chase is a train chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, it is. <laughs> well, I think in in like one of the when 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 Lucas and Spielberg were talking about what would become Raiders, like one of the key images, like the big excuses to make this movie is they wanted to film a movie where somebody jumped from a horse onto a moving vehicle. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) So that's, and this is like, and that is, I mean, that's, I think something that, you know, Pulp Adventure really offers is like, you can be out in kind of like the, you know, the, the wilderness or the wilds, um, but you have this like, you know, moving speck of civilization, but, you know, but anything can come down from the hills or over the, you know, or, or you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways to kind of mess with this, the fragility of that technology. And you can mm-hmm. kind of have this collision of worlds that you really can't have in the middle of a city because like the yeah. city is its own world and the train is like an intruder. Yeah. Like you just mentioned something like a speck of civilization going. I think that's really, really interesting because the promise of a train is that it's always going to go from point A to point B on a fixed schedule. Nothing's going to go wrong. You know, go go point A to point B, you know, B to A, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then all of a sudden you inject Pulp Adventure into it and it's like, it's not doing that anymore. No. You know, or some <laughs> other some other C is happening in between A and B, right? Super exciting. And, and the interesting thing is when you have a train and you lose control of it or the engineer who was driving it originally is no longer driving it, it's still going. Right. And it's still you can't you can't change where it's going. You can only change. You can only stop it or endanger it. And I Mm. think that adds additional tension because there's always a built in time component. We have to steal this thing and get it off of the train before we hit point B or our adventure is a failure. So there's always a built in time component, which which makes it good to adventure around. There mm-hmm. is, and there's, there's also a lot of like modalities to a train. Like there's a lot of verbs that come with a train, a lot of things you can do with it. You could decouple like, you know, the, 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 like the caboose or something like that. Or like, you know, say the guards are on one, uh, uh one car and you, you let that loose. So all you, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, all of your thief buddies in, in the, the baggage car or whatever, like there's all kinds of stuff you can do. There's switch tracks. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, you can climb on the outside of the train and not like freeze to death, you know, yeah. like, uh, uh, you can, you can stop the train, like, um, uh, murder on the Orient Express happens during a, like, a, a there's a big cave in not, or an avalanche that they have to dig themselves out of. So they're stuck. They thought they were going to get away with this murder because they were, by the time, by the time anybody figured anything out, they would have all disembarked from the train. Yeah. Uh, but they got stuck there. <laughs> yeah. So like, like there's lots of things that can go wrong with a train in a way that uh, players can exert agency over, which is another thing that makes them such a great set piece. Uh, I feel like with like, for example, your, your image of jumping off the horse onto the train. Um, I feel I, I want to talk about maybe what style of system lends itself to a good Ooh, yeah. pulp train adventure, because 
it, it wouldn't be one where that action could fail. It would oh, be one yeah. where, right? <laughs> like if you if you yeah, if you get work. all your characters on horses and they're galloping along and then then she tries to jump onto the train and like, oh, you missed and you fell in the ravine. See you next week. We'll do something, you know. But you want you work. want it to be able to go wrong in some way. Like so yes. it's gotta happen, but it has to be able to go a little bit wrong. Yes, absolutely. So this is I, Chris. You ran at uh, Blades in the Dark train heist one shot for me, yeah. like way back in the day. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about that. Please, Great. this is Dude, me telling you. It. Please talk about this game. Okay, so I ran a Blades in the Dark one shot back in the day. For... <laughs> We've covered that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, we, there was going to be, I think you were going on the train to steal something, right? It sort of doesn't matter like what it was, but like the exciting part was getting on the train and y'all proceeded to not get on the train <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah. It was like the whole adventure is going to be on this train. It was just like this whole, yeah. whole big thing of like, oh, they're not going to get on this thing and I don't have anything, <laughs> anything prepared. As a GM, that was a very frightening scenario to be in where you're like, well, there goes, you know, like my, my entire um, book of notes is about to go off into the distance <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they don't get on this train. So anyway, you got on there, but then it ended up being really fun because like, you know, with the train, you have cars that you have to move through and there's, you know, people and stuff like that. And it also doesn't give your player, your characters, a lot of room to maneuver around. Right. So they can't just like run away. Like it's a straight right. shot, you know, <laughs> like left to right, you have to go go down this path um yeah so it was cool i mean i think you all you all like went out a window went up on top of it yeah like someone swung down at one point to shoot someone else like they decoupled you know part of the train it was it was great fun that sounds Um, fantastic i threw a sack of beans at someone and knocked him off the train to his death yes (laughs) nice yeah all sorts of that stuff and then uh i had a really like fun double cross right at the end of that one too (laughs) like you got you got double crossed by the person who sent you on the oh yeah (laughs) that sounds pretty fantastic so yeah if i if i may make a pun Yes, absolutely. I, when I was I was made to, to think of this when you said they almost didn't get on the train. So let's talk about railroading for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so uh, generally to I be avoided. I almost ruined my microphone by spitting a mouthful of water directly into it. Sir, you saw me on camera taking a drink. Sir, you saw me taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so railroading in train <laughs> adventures so yeah. I, I you know it was interesting uh just to so so where does player agency run up against the premise of the game right because if mm-hmm. the premise of the game is to have an adventure on a train then not getting on the train means that you're denying the premise of the game but at yeah. the same time players should have agency to do what they so, want uh, we now uh, this happens there. I think there's a big difference between railroading and linear adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a linear adventure doesn't offer a lot of possibility space. It is kind of like, no, this is the dungeon that I have prepped. This is, this is the adventure. This is a one shot. Uh, we have to do this is, is like, and that's just communicating the premise as opposed to pretending like there's a choice and then and then constantly saying like no if you do that the dragon will eat you 
like mm. and and it's like you know it's like pretending that there's this you're you're playing a very different game with with an infinite premise or a very wide premise and then right. punishing people for not going the the and doing the exact thing thing you wanted them to do i think that's railroading but it's, it's now where this is I, it, I am the only person who is going to make this distinction because the colloquial understanding is, I think a lot closer to what you said. Um, right. but it's, mm. I'm, I, I edit the podcast. So, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I think you're unfortunately in good company here. Cause I think like, you know, these are the styles of games that we like to run, right. Mm. <laughs> and that there is, is sort of a beginning, middle and end that we're trying to hit, hit yeah. with it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like yeah. I will, I will also put my flag in the sand next to yours, sir. Like, yeah, like that, that's okay. As long as the premise is communicated correctly. Yeah. And I think a part of it maybe is that the players get to, you know, yay or nay the premise. Like yeah. how about next week we do a train heist. If everybody says yes, and then they get there and they're like, I don't want to go on a train. Well, that's denying the premise. Right. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and so I think giving players and their characters agency, is about like so many things in these games consent, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you want to do this next week? Let great, let's do it. What I will take away from from that experience forever, and I believe I've talked about this extensively on my own podcast. Roll for topic, go check it out. Is that <laughs> if I were ever to do a train one shot ever again, you start on the train, right? Like, exactly train. what Kyle said, right? Like, yeah. just you you skip to if it's important for the player, the characters to be on the train, they start on the train. So something I wanted to the something I wanted to to circle back to is your unanswered question, John, is like, what system is really good for this? And I do think that Blades in the Dark is really good for it because a failed roll oftentimes means even if, you know, you can always resist harm and take on stress. So it doesn't mean that just because you failed your roll to jump from a horse onto a train does not mean that you failed to do that action versus in like, you know, a, a D20 game, um, if you make an athletics check to do that and you fail that that athletics check, then you didn't do it. That is <laughs> right. what the that is rules as written. That's what it is. Now, there's a lot of philosophy like failing forward. You can add into this and just like, oh, you get onto it, but something bad happens. You make a lot of noise and attract other people. And, I, you know, th- there are systems that do that as a matter of course. And then there is, um, but you can always kind of like band-aid, kind of like yeah, a yeah. binary resolution system, like uh, like a D20 game uh, with, mm-hmm. with that kind of mentality. Also too, I think any system where you can sort of buy your success through, mm-hmm. through the mechanics would work well for that too. Yeah, like so a system like Numenera, um, you know, would work well too, right? Because like if you need something to, like if you need it to happen, you can make it happen happen together, which I think like, you know, again, when, when you're talking about a train, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, like a lot of situations in which you only get one shot at it. <laughs> hands, hands sweaty, mom spaghetti. Yeah. I, yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. As a party, you can decide like, Oh, this is a time this has to work. We have to figure out a way to make this work. So, so savage worlds is something that really comes up. I think when you're talking about like pulp adventure, mm-hmm. uh, that's like probably the big pulp adventure game um, that people would think of besides pulp Cthulhu, but savage worlds does have the bennies. They do have like this currency that you can spend to make sure that you get like, you know, good successes. And it's kind of like your way of, of, you know, putting good things in, into the story. 
Um, fate is another uh, currency spending thing mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that you can you can spend fate points to kind of like take charge of that story. But yeah, I guess I guess Numenera has a similar kind of thing. When you think of of trains, do you think of like steam engines? Or are you thinking about like sleek bullet trains? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, because there's there's a lot of things that are classified as trains. Um, yeah. Think about it. See, now we said we weren't going to define trains, and here, here we, we are, are. No. 20 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. No, because well, um, it's bothering me, so we're going to talk about it. I think, I think, I think, I think older fashioned steam coal driven yeah. trains. The, the, yeah, that's what I think of. I don't think of, of sort of more modern trains, sleek trains, mm-hmm. you know, electric trains, that kind of stuff. And I think maybe that goes with the pulp adventure, but. Maybe, maybe that's just my lack of imagination on the subject. If you were to do a, like a, a futuristic pulp adventure, if such a thing can exist on like a bullet train, what would change? Well, there'd be lots of snow. Yeah. Um, it would be a, a discussion, an examination of capital and Marxism. And I oh would call boy. it snow. <laughs> snow uh, no, I'm kidding. Snowpiercer. That's what I would call yeah. it. No, I, uh, that's a great question. I think there is an opportunity here for like a cyberpunk train story, mm-hmm. right? Like a train that's been hacked and is out of control. Mm-hmm. And you and your team and you and your guys are trapped on it and have to escape. As part of the, I, I wonder, right? If my reflex to go for older trains is the fact that we rarely ride trains in America these days, yeah, it, would, it wouldn't have occurred to me. It, it, trains seem like something in the past in this country. Yeah, do you do you need sleeper cars for a train adventure to be interesting? I feel like you do. Yeah, because otherwise it's just, I mean, like trains and Amtrak these days in the United States is just a bunch of, you know, it's a bus, right? Right. It's it's, it's like riding around in a giant porta potty. It's yeah. terrible. <laughs> I think so if there's a murder there needs to be sleeper cars there ne- and it needs to be like a sleek kind of like jazz age train. Yeah. If you're if you're robbing if you're robbing a train on horseback it needs to be like an older slower train okay. uh, that your horse could keep up with for a limited amount of time, right? Uh, and that's that. So that's kind of important. It, it kind of depends on what your what your mode of entry onto the train is going to be is kind of where, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, you might even approach it in the same way that Spielberg and Lucas did. Uh, it's like, what is the core imagery? If you're planning a train thing, uh, what is the core imagery that you need? Um, uh, but there's there's also lots of interesting things about trains that I can enumerate now, uh, yeah. such as if you're t- if it's a if it's a really sh- if it's a if it's a really sharp turn, the train has to slow down for it. Uh, yes. Otherwise, it'll fall off. <laughs> it'll, there is it'll a train sequence where that is important. In yeah. um, not a great movie, but Solo has a train sequence and a train heist set in the yeah. future. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not a great Han Solo movie, but it is. It is a good movie. I it's did a fun enjoy movie. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'll bring up another Star Wars example because it just came to me, and it's from a video game. I Whoa! Sitting down. Okay. Yeah. In the in the Jedi Academy video game, at one point. You get dropped off on a train and you have to make your way to the front of the train to disable it. Yeah. To disable a bomb. Um, And that was a really fun adventure because it had all of those elements, even though it was set in the future. Like, you don't want to fall off. It's moving fast. There's no place to go. Mm -hmm. You know, um, all of those things. Yeah, it offers like a clear goal. You're usually at the back of the train. You're usually at the opposite end of the train than you need to be. And how you navigate the in-between is a, a really kind of like interesting creative space to explore. In, in yeah, that's why that's why Snowpiercer is a train movie, and so is um, 
you know so it's the great train robbery because there's just they contain the same elements right but <laughs> mixed up in a different way yeah also marxism <laughs> also yeah just the triumph of the proletariat is key to both of these films yes yeah. is there you know so if you're thinking pulp adventure i mean can you so to bring it back to the actual genre that we picked um do does a murder mystery fit within that though or if i mean it, pulpit yeah i i think so i consider poirot pulp adjacent okay uh, like Poirot, a pro, you know, a, a, a Agatha Christie novel is not necessarily what you would think of as as pulp adventure. But if Poirot shows up, he's not out of place. It just like he's probably dealing with you know some some American cowboy who's going to shoot first and ask questions later, right? Yeah, like right. I think, and I think you know, Call of Cthulhu is another game that kind of blends that uh, really well. Mm-hmm. um uh so so yeah I, I i think it's it's close enough if i feel like if it shows up in league of extraordinary gentlemen it gets grandfathered in <laughs> yeah you just you just made something about call of cthulhu make sense to me that has never made sense to me before that it is like this sort of like various literary stereotypes get to kind of play together yeah yeah in one space and that's you've really got fun the, the professor yeah. and you've also got the cowboy and you've yeah. got the yeah it's yeah. a, it's a, I mean, like it's a, it's a pastiche, right? It is. Mm-hmm. So pastiche is a French term for paste. Oh, we, we all know what pastiche Thanks, is. Thanks, Kyle. So yeah, it's when, it's when you're taking all of your things and pasting it together. Hellboy is a pastiche, right? It's right, like yeah. everything Mike Mignola wanted to draw, he put into Hellboy. And then mm-hmm. who does the first movie, movie adaptations? The great pastiche director of our time Guillermo del Toro like yes. who who just every movie is just looking into his sketchbook and going like I like <laughs> these things and we're gonna just all yeah. gonna cram them into this movie as if it's the last movie I'll make for the rest yeah. of my life yeah because it very well could be if I'm gonna try this <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. um so can, can I can I make a, a claim that like GMing is sort of like the uh, an exercise in pastiche <laughs> Here yes. we are. Snaps. Now Snaps. we're having. Now we're having. Now we're having a good discussion. I love this. It was. I think it sucked actually, until now. We have a topic. Uh, but Chris brought us into what we really wanted to talk about today. Sucked You're until welcome. now. So pastiche is sort of when you take. <laughs> Wait, what is that? Oh, I get it now. Uh, I get it when Kyle explained uh, it the uh, first two times. So. so um, I so I would go so far as to say um, pastiche is th- really the only option for mm-hmm. creating stories. It's just pastiche is particularly honest about it because yes. um, it's very. If you and I, I said I say this to my art students constantly, uh, which is if you if you have an actually original idea, it will make no sense to anyone but you. Yeah, right. <laughs> what you because what you want is. What you want to do is take things that people already have connections to and and can make meaning from, uh, uh, and then rearrange them in a way that you you haven't seen before. The originality is in the combination of the ingredients. It is not in finding a brand new ingredient to bring mm-hmm. in. Right, and there's a difference between making a kung fu movie that feels like a Bruce Lee film and putting Uma Thurman in the same jumpsuit as Bruce Lee, right? Yeah. There's an intentional nod there. And I think, I think, you know, there's, we have a topic, which we're not going to get into too much. There's stealing stories, right? Which I think mm. we're agreeing here is essential, but there's also taking things and making them really recognizable, which I think in a role-playing game is really important mm-hmm. because you are, 
trying to pull people in with what is familiar. So, you know, they should recognize the uh, the guy taking tickets on the train and he should be, if he's a character from a movie that they know, that's even better, right? Like, I think you make an excellent point about how to make people interested in the story is to take those elements and pull them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can I call out something that, so John, you're running a game of the One Ring that I'm playing yes. in right now. And something that I so appreciate about your GM style is that where, whereas I would spend a long time trying to describe the Shire to everybody and like having these long descriptions about everything that's going on, you just let it ride because like we know what the Shire is. Right. right? Like you, you, you don't need to describe it to us yet again. Um, you know, like not when, with that crowd. Yeah, especially not with the, the crowd that's playing <laughs> playing this game. Yeah, so I mean, I think like, yeah, like relying on those touch points is not, um, and I just want to say this maybe to defend myself and, and GMs out there, <laughs> like it's not a weakness to refer to that ticket taker looks exactly like uh, Steve Buscemi, right? Right. Like mm-hmm. that's not a weakness in your storytelling at the table or the game that you're playing. You're giving everybody the clear picture of who that ticket taker looks like. And like, that's just like, it just gives you a leg up. Everybody sort of understands what the, what's going on with that. They can even understand maybe the voice of the ticker taker, <laughs> the ticket taker right. is using as well. Right. And like, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's kind of amazing actually that you can put a group of humans together and, and tell stories in that way. Um, it's, I, I think in, and this kind of even gets to like, why do a train robbery? Like it's mm-hmm. a train robbery is a cliche, yes. uh, but you know, when we're sitting down and we're, we're running these games uh, you can just say we are we are running uh, the great train robbery today, and I actually think that would get some people like that would get the right group of people absolutely excited out of their minds for that game, right? Yeah, right? You know, it's like we are just going to adapt this thing that you've seen. Now the difference is um, there is the possibility of things going a different way. You can interact with this and Mm -hmm. yes, perhaps you've seen your favorite movie stars do this, you know, a dozen times, but you haven't done it. And it's, it's like, do you want to subvert expectations or do you want to go into, you know, uh, uh, you know, do you want to go into a, a train car where the ticket takers like tickets, please? And he's coming down to you and you have to like slide yeah. out the bathroom window. Like, you know, like if you want to do the thing, this is your chance. If you want to do something different, this is right. your chance. And and mm-hmm. this is something you can do in games and in, in, in TTRPGs that you can't do anywhere else. That's the exciting part. I, you know, I always say if I wanted to tell stories by myself that were that were, you know, sort of more quote unquote original, I would just go write novels, but that's not what I want to do. What I want to do is come hang out with people and explore genres and tropes that we're all familiar with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried writing novels. It's not very fun. No, No, it's it's really lonely. It's very, very lonely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I ask a question? This might be off your format a little bit. Go for it. We don't have Um, Okay. (laughs) I'm going to impose a format on you. (laughs) Please. Um, Fine, Andy. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, so if you if you're gonna run run like a train, you know, like something, you know, train pulp adventure like that, like what's the element that like you want to see? Um, I, I really want a fight um, on the outside of the train over a rickety uh, on a rickety bridge over a gorge. Like that's yeah. an image that I really want, and and it's shown up in a lot of modern movies, and it's just been great. Like. Like in the Captain America movies, you know, Bucky falls off a train on a rickety bridge over a gorge. Mm-hmm. Um, the Solo movie we talked about, there's a there's a bridge in that one too. So I just that image 
as soon as you said train adventure, that's the thing that, that jumped out at me is like uh, surviving that that's super exciting and dangerous and would be super fun. Uh, I want the train to be hurtling towards either a cliff or a building that it's just going to ram right through unless, and, 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 and yeah, there has to be just like massive the threat of, 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 uh, of a train crash. Yeah. It's like coming into union station. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's coming Coming in hot and you got to jump out the back with your, you know, carpet bag full of gold bullion or whatever. Yeah. What's uh, what's yours, Chris? Oh, you know, that thing where there's like a tunnel coming up and like you're, you find yourself (sighs) on top of the train. Like, Oh yeah. (laughs) That's, you gotta have that. Um, but yeah, I have, I have run out of things. I've run out of steam. I, oh. <laughs> I, well I no longer have anything to do. Does anybody else have any closing thoughts before we, uh, we, we pull this one into the station? The only thing that I want to say is, uh, is, is Dan Brown a pulp adventure writer? There's your, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bad person. Cause I like, I, I, I enjoy pulp writing. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and sir, Dan Brown is no, but I think he would have been well at home. had he been in it. I think it's really just a chronological snobbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I so. Absolutely. Think so, so, yeah. so that, that is it for this episode. And remember there ain't no getting off this train we're on. Oh <laughs> yeah. You did it. Splatbook is a proud part of Roll For It Media. Be sure to check out our sister show, Roll For Topic, wherever fine podcasts are purveyed or on their website, gmdiscussions.com. And please leave us a five-star review on your podcasting app of choice. It really helps us out. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Latino. My YouTube channel is Mapcro, and you can subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Mapcro. And you can follow John in your hearts. The intro music for today's episode was The Last Train Home from the 1987 album Still Life Talking by the Pat Metheny Group. And our outro music is Locomotive Breath from the 1971 album Aqualung by Jethro Tull. Stay tuned for some cut ramblings. You should have heard. It'll, it'll come out. You probably haven't heard it yet because we recorded it. But Andy's uh, appearance on our show made it like cogent and directed. It was weird. It was very yeah. strange. He was he was he was like really focused. He was he was like asking us questions. He really did mm-hmm. take control. Of, and I think both of us were like, oh, thank Go. goodness. All right. Thank this God. is what it's like yeah. to be on a real podcast. <laughs> yeah. In general, my strategy for um, for any creative project is to find someone who actually knows what they're doing and just yep. sort of like <laughs> do the other stuff around it. <laughs> well, so I heard that if we invited Chris on, we were going to talk about Elvish rings, right? Like, yeah, that was that was good. I, I will give you credit. All of a sudden, I had this like this fear inside of me. I was like, he's going to ask me like what the rings are called. Like, I don't know what the rings. Were I was. Called. I was going to be like, what's your favorite? Is Nenya your favorite? Because that's a good choice. But nobody <laughs> yeah. ever talks about Vilya, and that's just you know, I don't know why. I think it's the most powerful of the three. So yeah, <laughs> that's another story. You know, I sometimes I think I'm a Tolkien fan, and then and then I talk to John, and I'm like, nope, no, I don't have it in me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, I think there's a difference in Tolkien fans. So there's there's the ones who like trivia, and then there's the ones that would actually want to go on the adventure. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I would go on the Hobbit adventure for sure, but Lord of the Mm -hmm. Rings, I don't feel like starving to death or (laughs) jumping down a pit with uh, a a demon that has Schrodinger's wings. Uh, So yeah, I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I don't need any of that. Yeah, I mean, you could like you could just stop with the elves, right? Like, yeah, take that. Like, this is good. I I feel like I contributed a lot so far, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I got you to Rivendell, and I'm just gonna chill here for a while. Everybody's like, and and my bow and my axe, and you're just like, and uh, and it's my Uh, bedtime. Uh, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I mean, Inception has a train sequence on it. Uh, It does. Like most of it, it actually technically takes place. On it. No, wait, that's a plane. Never mind. Forget, forget everything. Of, no, you're right. It is a plane. And as part Kyle, of the, delete the, that. <laughs> and as part of... No, leave that in. So. Uh, hey, Kyle, is uh, L. Ron Hubbard a pulp writer? <laughs> we are not mentioning that man on this episode, I'll tell you. Hey, Kyle, don't forget to cut that. That's <laughs> already been cut somehow. <laughs> Oh, and then the last question I have for you too, like, is there anything better than the smell of like a, a dusty pulp, like pulp paperback? paperback? Nope. Lavender. I, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is, but like, <laughs> it's a terrible smell. <laughs> yeah. Where is Andy? I should be texting him right now. He can, uh, he can be like, okay. So at this point they have gone, they've lost, um, They've used up all their references. They don't know what else to say. So just <laughs> They're just sort of like talking in circles. So like someone needs to what ask a question. Yeah. 